I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. Cormac and Saoirse here on FM 104. You can get in touch 0876797 FM 104. And I often wonder, would you have the the mental strength and stamina to stand up against someone in a position of authority who would be telling you to do something that maybe you felt was slightly questionable? Mm, I don't think I would, no. I feel like I'm more kind of strong-minded than that and I'd be able to stand up for myself and not sheep-like. Really? I think so, yeah. So let's say if a boss was telling you to do something that you didn't really want to do, would you be like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm sorry, but that is stepping over the line. I'm not I'm not working late. I'm not missing out on my weekends. I'm not doing anything like that. If the boss said, I want you to do your radio show in a bikini and have it videoed, then I would say absolutely not. But really? If it was something that I should what do in work. At you? Yeah, I'd leave. Really? I really would leave, yeah. But I always think we think that, but when you're put in a situation, would you just be like, all right, okay, grand, yeah? Because you know, so much of us don't want confrontation or don't want the awkwardness. We'd be like, all right, grand. Believe me, I hate confrontation. And if it's anything that is kind of, you know, middle ground stuff that I don't really want to do, but I have to do for mm. work purposes, I'll do it mm. and I'll just say fine. But if they were pushing boundaries with me, I wouldn't do it. Oh, I don't know. Oh, no, I can be. Oh, I don't know. I see. I, I think I, I'd like to think that I would be strong minded. I think we all like to think that we're like honorable, tough, have clear boundaries. I think I think we're all like that. And then I think we get into a situation where someone who you respect or someone who you put in your head is in a position of power. If someone was threatening you mm. with something or threatening to hurt somebody that you loved or something, if you didn't do something, that's different. Then you probably would end up doing it. I just think that the power dynamics, I think we all think one thing. And then if it come, when push comes to shove, would you be the type of person that would do something you wouldn't? normally do. Obviously we're relating this to the famous experiment that was done many many years ago, the Milgram experiment where which a few years ago there was a movie about this and Darren Brown has done you know shows on this as well where people were put in a room, kind of like this one in the studio and there was a window into another room and you're like flip that switch and someone gets uh, electrocuted and you're told to continue doing it until the person pretty much dies. Now the person's obviously an actor and not real but it just was highlighting how, I don't know how obedient we are, how the different power dynamics can cause people to do uh, one thing or the other. To talk to us now um, a little bit more about exactly what the experiment was, why it was so groundbreaking and controversial and scary, and if we've learned or improved as a human race. Uh, joining us now on the line is Jerry Berger. Jerry, how are you, sir? Uh, good, thank you. What sparked your interest in researching the, the Milgram experiment and everything around it? Oh, it's uh, the, the Milgram studies are uh, probably the most famous in all of psychology, uh, inside and outside of academia. Uh, people 
uh, everywhere seem to, to know about, and they're tremendously controversial for a number of reasons. But one of the big problems with Milgram's research is that no one really can agree upon exactly why <laughs> he got the results that he got. And so it, it remains a huge study in psychology, even though we're, we're coming up on almost 60 years since the studies were conducted. And can you tell anyone who has never heard of this experiment what exactly it involved? Yeah, uh, briefly, the participants thought they were part of a learning and memory study, and they were brought into a lab where there was an experimenter and also another man who pretended to be another subject, but in fact uh, he was part of the act. And uh, it was was arranged through a rigged drawing that the real participant would be the teacher in this experiment and that the other individual was going to be the learner and the test supposedly was looking at the effects of punishment on learning. So the task was that the real participant was asked to deliver punishment in the form of electric shocks to this other individual. The arrangement was that the other individual was on the other side of a wall where he was strapped into a chair and had electrodes uh, strapped to his wrist. That's how he's going to receive the electric shock. And the real participant watched this. And so they could see this man could not escape (laughs) from this room. Mm. Back on the other side of the wall, the test, it was ministered through a um, one-way kind of microphone, you know, system. But the key was that the teacher, this is the real participant, gave a, a memory test. And every time this other person got a wrong answer, the teacher was to deliver an electric shock, starting with 15 volts for the first mistake, but then moving up this shock generator to a higher and higher voltage each time there was a, another mistake. So it was a 15 volt increment. So the second mistake, the person got 30 volts as a, as a shock for his punishment for not getting the answer right. The next mistake, 45 volts. And it continued, this shock generator continued with these switches on the machine all the way up to 450 volts. And along with the, you know, the numbers, there were messages on the front of the machine saying, you know, danger, severe shock, warning. You know. hmm. uh, so it was not at all ambiguous that these shocks were going to be dangerous. What happened, of course, the person did not really receive any shocks, but everybody believed that they really were administering shocks to this other person. And at one point, after 150 volts, the person made a lot of mistakes. At 150 volts, you can hear him screaming through the wall, you know, let me out of here. And he even complained that he had a heart problem and his heart was bothering him and he demanded to be set free. And so the question is, in this study, how long would people continue with this experiment before they say, I'm not doing this anymore? If they continue past the 150 volts, then at the next, you know, from that point on, every time they administered a shock, they heard the man on the other side of the wall scream in pain, getting worse and worse as they continued up the shock generator, continuing to demand it to be let out. If they continued all the way to 330 volts, suddenly this man who had been screaming and let me out simply stopped. There was nothing no response. Uh, which means he either had passed out or he had died. And all along, the experimenter was telling the person who was pressing the shock generator, which is to continue. And if the man doesn't answer, consider it a wrong answer and continue. And this went all the way until 450 volts. And so the question is, you know, you know what would you do? When we ask this to pe- for people, to people, and I've, I've asked, hundreds, thousands of people over the years, students and people I've talked to about this research, 
I've yet to meet anybody who said, you know, they would continue. Everybody says they would stop, they would refuse to go on, they could not hurt another person, you know, this is outrageous. And yet the results of the, the version of the study that I just described were that 65% of the participants continued to press the shock levers all the way to the end, even though they knew they were delivering excruciating, if not lethal, shocks to this person on the other side of the wall. So that's the essence of the, the study. <laughs> that's incredible, isn't so it? So you see, you think you're a nice person, Saoirse, but you'd continue, continue. In a way, right, it's kind of similar to, you know, when you see someone, I know this is awful, someone may be lying on the street, they may have drank too much alcohol. You don't know if they're passed out. You don't know if they're alive. You don't mm. know if they have a pulse. And you would kind of follow suit if no one else is going over to see if they're okay. Yeah. You're not usually the one that will go over. Whereas if a crowd gathers around them, yeah. check if they're okay and has them lifted up and you're more likely yeah. to go over and, and ask but no one wants to be that first person yeah yeah, right. you don't tend to, to be the first person but what, I suppose what did when you look at the Milgram experiment the fact that 65% of people will administer mm. probably fatal shocks right like what, what does that unfortunately say about the human race <laughs> Well, you know, your question is the one that most people respond with. Like, what is wrong with people? What is wrong with those people? And I would argue, and I think uh, most psychologists would agree with me, you know, who, who work in this area, is that that's not really the right question. I mean, what, what Milgram demonstrated was not that, you know, most of us are sadistic, brutal <laughs> People. What he, he demonstrated was a very well-known phenomenon, but he did it in a very dramatic way, and that is that in certain situations, we're going to respond in the certain circumstances. We're responding to the situation we're in and more than we realize. So while it is the case, you know, that, of course, uh, your personality and your values and all of that are very important in determining your behavior, it's also the case that sometimes we find ourselves in a situation where we act not according to the kind of person we are, but according to the situation we are in. And what we know from a lot of research is that while this, the situational cues are very powerful, most of us don't realize that's what we're responding to. So when we see somebody act in this horrible way that we, these participants acted, we say, what's wrong with them? But the truth of the matter is, these are normal people, otherwise very good people, which means leads us to the very unsettling observation that any of us is capable of doing this kind of thing. You know, most of us are capable of doing this kind of thing, even though we don't acknowledge it. The 35% of people who didn't go all the way to the end, I mean, have they, like, what's different about them, do we know? That is a great question, and a lot of people have tried to do research on that. As it turns out, yeah, there's very little evidence that there's a certain kind of person. Done in my own research, uh, when, I've, when I've done this kind of thing, I've looked at, well, how about people who are really empathic, you know, they really care about others and that sort of thing. And what I found is, yeah, while these people hesitated more and they needed more prompts from the experimenter, the people who, you know, went all the way to the end and the people who stopped were no different in terms of how, how much they, they cared about others, how nice a person they were. So it's, it's not that you're a good person or a bad person and that's the reason you do this or don't. It's something. I mean, there is this 35% who say no, and we all would like to think in, we're, we're in that group. We've done the research and we know that. That's not true. Is it kind of like we're putting the trust in the person who's leading the experiment or, you know, you know, you've been sat down and told to press this button and press this button by somebody and you feel that you can put your trust into them to know if the person is actually in pain. They're in charge of the situation. So I think 
way that I would phrase that is not so much trust as you've kind of given this other person responsibility. And that's one of the things that Milgram did. He set this up so that it was very easy for people to say, well, I'm not responsible. It's the, it's the experimenter who's, and in fact, if people asked who's responsible, the experimenter said, I, the experiment, am responsible. So he told them when the man on the other side of the wall was screaming, you know, let me out, he was saying, experimenter, let me out. You know, so he was talking to the experimenter, and all of that lets people think, well, you know, I'm just following orders. I'm just doing my job. This other person is responsible, and that's a very dangerous situation. Over the last number of 60 years since this has been originally done, has there been any other kind of studies that show are younger people more likely to go all the way to the top than older? Are there any kind of different stats that we've learned about different groups of people? That's the interesting part. They're really... There is very, very little evidence for that sort of thing. Um, age doesn't seem to make a difference. People often ask, well, what about, you know, gender? Yeah. Women be doing this? Because most of Milgram's studies were done with men, but he did do it with women one time. He had women as his participants, and it was absolutely no different. And this is what we find in other research. In, in my, my research, you know, I found absolutely no difference between men and women, no difference between ages, no difference between ethnic backgrounds. You know, there, there's no obvious group of people. You know, it's like this is more of a human character. We're, we're all horrible, yeah. regardless of our upbringing <laughs> and our background. Well it's, not, well, it's not that we're all horrible, but we're all capable of acting in some very unsettling ways. So the danger is someone has the power to create a situation that kind of pushes people to act in a certain way. And you can imagine, you know, in some situations, uh, like military situation, mm. you know, that, that someplace where, you know, there is the, the you know, you, you as an individual have less, less power to control things. It is frightening. You know, we can't depend on the goodness of human people, you know, to, uh, to not sometimes engage in some very deplorable acts. I think as well, a lot of people are selfish, so people will look out for themselves before helping others. So they'll electrocute someone to death before they're like, isn't Yeah, but it's the same if you were in a situation <laughs> where you, God forbid, there was a fire or something. You know, you've seen footage of people jumping over mm. people, standing on people I to know, get yeah. to get out. Yeah, you know, once, survival kicks in. Yeah. Yeah, there, there is that, you know. I mean, but then, you know, in Milgram's study, it, it, it would have cost them very little to say, I refuse to go on, you know. Uh, in fact, it, it, would, it would have probably released a lot of their, their anxiety, but they, they did not, many of them, most of them. Apart from, I mean, you've been looking into various different aspects of this. For you, what is the most either interesting or shocking thing that you've learned over the years about the Milgram experiment and what it says about humans? Well, I think it's that, you know, is that, yeah, it is just really easy. <laughs> I mean, after I've been studying the social influence area for decades, and the conclusion that I've drawn is that it is surprisingly easy to manipulate people to get them to do things, to get them to do things that are out of character, that they otherwise are surprised. And we've all been in that situation where later we ask ourselves, what was I thinking? You know, why did I do that? And the answer is, is that uh, we, we actually are not as much in control of our behavior, maybe as we recognize that we're very easily influenced by other people. And that, and that is frightening, you know, because there are people out there who will exploit and do use these, these tricks to no good. So we could set up our own cult and we could manipulate loads of people to do weird things. There are examples of that, right? Uh, you think of the, the Jim Jones situation. Mm. He asked, he got people to drink poison Kool-Aid and, and uh, kill themselves and their families all because he told them to. But he had total control of the situation and so he could he could get people to do some things that uh, it's hard to you scratch your head. You say, why would anybody do that? And the answer is, well, if you were in that situation, 
then it's not out of the question that you might have done the same. Apart from, I know it's a, it's a very fascinating uh, social aspect of it. Is there any, I don't know, evolutionary angle where it's kind of like you're just adapting to the situation that you're in? So, it, you know, you're just working with what you have in your environment. Yeah, I don't have a good answer for that, I think, yeah. Because, I mean, you can't, there's no good There's no good reason to being, no. you know, Jim Jones and kind of drinking the Kool-Aid and then it's game over. You know what I mean? I'm just, it's just... So it, weird. it is yeah. mind-boggling. I think when you're looking at it from the outside, if you're in that situation, like you said, you don't know what you do. I know, and then you're kind of like, how much of my behaviour today has been influenced yeah. by loads of other people? Now I'm getting really self-conscious right. and kind of like, oh God, <laughs> am I doing me or am I doing what society is saying or what advertisers are saying or yeah. what other people around you are saying? So right. where does that leave free will? Yeah, well, well there is free will. I, I think I've got a better answer to your question now. Yeah, that, that there are uh, many of the things that, like, for example, Milgram built into his situation he just relies on basic processes that actually are, are probably pretty good. You know, so for example, one of the things, you know, that he did is he set things up in, in, in small increments. You know, so he got people to first do something small, you know, 15 volts. That's nothing, right? Yeah. And if you're going to do that, well, why not, why not do 30? And if you do 30, why not 45? And we know from a lot of research that this is a, a basic process, that it becomes easier and easier to do something, and you get people to do it a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And I don't know if that's good or bad, but that's, that's just a, a basic process. And uh, it can be used for good and for, for bad. I mean, it can be used for good is that you get people to donate a small amount of money to a good cause and then it makes it easier for to, to get them to give more money to the cause. It can be used in the opposite direction where you get, you know, you'll start out committing a small crime and then a little bit worse crime, a little bit worse. But, you know, in Milgram's situation, he built this up so that there was no easy point to stop, you know, and we know from the psychology behind it that uh, once you start down this path, it's very difficult to stop. So Milgram took advantage of that, as a lot of people do. And the answer is to try to be aware aware of when you are doing that sort of thing <laughs> and yeah. realize, you know, that no, I, I, that, you know, one, you're on a slippery slope once you start on a certain certain path. And so to get people to recognize that is, is probably the answer. Yeah, I mean, because I know like the, my other half is probably listening. I'll, I'll try to get him to pick up one sock today and then he'll pick up two of his socks yeah. on the floor tomorrow. And we'll try and get him to pick up the towel off the floor Even, as well. She got you to do something <laughs> yesterday that you didn't want to do. You said to me, you're not doing something. We won't talk about what it Sorry, was. Sorry, was that the, the photo shoot thing? Well, mm, something similar to that, yeah. And then what happened? You end up doing it. I'm no saying these things. Damn it! I've been, I've been milgrammed. That's what I've been. I've <laughs> been oh, yeah. milgrammed inch oh, by yeah. inch. We manipulate one another all the time. Yeah, some people are better at it than others. Well, we're going to have to be hyper aware now. We're That's have all. To, yeah, incredibly hyper aware. Listen, we we could talk, MJ, um, for hours about this, and I know I said it's been keeping psychologists busy for the last 50, 60 years. Is there anywhere you'd recommend that your research is online that someone can check out? I have a web page that will eventually lead you to some of my research. Uh, it's www.jerrymberger that's J-E-R-R-Y M-U-R-G-E-R dot com. Yeah. Okay. Thanks a million for speaking to us and um, yeah, we'll take our manipulating for good though into the future. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. <laughs> Thanks very much. Alright, thank you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.